It's 11.30 here at KRBN on this Monday. It is August 16th. Tata Kabali along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Another great show on tap for you. We'll hear about the upcoming week forecast with Paul Perkins and regional ag weather coming up in just about 15 minutes. Jason's out once again, so I'll give you the headlines we'll be talking about for sports. And then Bob Brogan will tell us how stocks are performing so far to start this brand new week. But as we always do, let's head east and catch up with our farm director and Susan Littlefield. Susan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's a Monday. The sun's out. Can't complain. It's going to be a little bit warmer today, in the next couple of days. But let's uh, let's hope we finally get some rain in the near future. Yeah, it looked like maybe Friday. I think that's an opportunity. Maybe Wednesday as well. It sounds like some areas may get uh, over an inch. But again, we can definitely use all that. Oh, very much so. Well, what do you have coming up for us today on Midday? Well, we'll kick it off here at 1219 with Shabella. She talks with Adam Sawyer. He's chairman of the Nebraska Brand Committee as he talks about some changes in the next few months to some of those rules. So if you've got brands, you're going to want to definitely not miss that one. Then at 1245, Alex will be coming in as she talks with Dustin Heron of Robble AgriFinance that shares a price forecast for this upcoming year and explains the relationship between beef sustainability and economics. And then wrapping up everything will be clay at 117. The Nebraska State Fair, believe it or not, starts a week from this Friday. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the Cattleman's Beef Pit. And we'll talk mm. more about that at 117. Yep, can't go wrong with the Cattleman's Beef Pit. They always have some great food over there. Oh, yes, they do. All right, thank you very much, Susan. Enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Thank you very much. Again, Jason's out, so here are the latest sports headlines we'll be talking about coming up in an hour. Of course, a lot of football. We're getting closer and closer to kickoff for high school, college, and the NFL. We will hear from head coach Scott Frost of the Nebraska football team as they wrapped up their second week of fall camp with a scrimmage. We'll have comments from him. And UNK football team held its first major scrimmage of fall practice this past weekend. We'll hear from head coach Josh Lynn coming up. Uh, next hour as well. And if you haven't heard, Mr. Bob Brogan, Little League World Series starts in the near future, and Nebraska will be represented as the Hastings Little League team. They qualified. They will be playing New Jersey as the opening round of the Little League World Series coming up Thursday at 4 o'clock on ESPN. Pretty cool stuff. Bob, I ask you, did you play Little League when you were a pup? I did. I played Pee Wees, and I also uh, played uh, Little League. An all-star, I'm sure. No. Okay. No, I uh, I got used to, uh, uh, let's just say I fell short of expectations. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Meanwhile, how are the uh, the stock numbers looking so far? Stocks are falling t- today amid worries about uh, coronavirus infections and uh, geopolitical concerns in Asia. Also, uh, the U.S. government has opened a formal investigation into uh, Tesla's autopilot systems, uh, saying it has trouble... Spotting parked emergency vehicles. That could Hmm. be a problem. Hmm, That does sound like a problem. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over. Time for regional ag weather update. Paul Perkins now joining us here in the studio. And 
Well, Paul, it feels like another uh, summer day here on this uh, August 16th. Yeah, once again, starting to warm up. Also, that humidity really starting to come back. Many of us with two points across the central and east part of Nebraska and Kansas in the upper 60s to around 70. And anytime it hits about 65 on that dew point, that's when you start to feel that humidity. More so in the upper 50s to low 60s, though, from the dew points from about Ogallala, North Platte, into western Kansas and northeast Colorado. But some heavy rains last night over portions of northwest Kansas, especially in Decatur County. They had a flash flood morning for a while earlier this morning. Between one to four inches of rain fell in those areas. And we did have some thunderstorms over the weekend. They just kind of moved very slowly mm-hmm. and not very. Uh, so some areas got a lot of rain, and then, of course, a lot of areas kind of missed out completely. Yeah, that was it was interesting when we were driving back from uh, the Garth Brooks concert. You could really see it on I-80 early on Sunday morning. The, the thunderstorms kind of rolling. I'm like, oh, okay, Carney's going to get hit or certain areas. And then yeah. it just kind of it was hit and miss everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of these thunderstorms, they kind of formed off to the west. You saw a lot of lightning. Okay, we're going to get some rain in the next hour or two. And it took forever for those rains to make it to the area. So Very odd. Well, hopefully uh, we get some rain in the near future this week, right? Yeah, so it looks very promising for some rain chances, especially by Thursday night. Could see some hit and miss chances by Wednesday into the day Thursday, and then some off and on chances as we hit towards the later part of the week. So, yeah, some good news. In the forecast here. Okay, beautiful. I <laughs> hope we get some in the near future. Everybody's keeping an eye on the sky. Otherwise, today, pretty quiet. Just going to be a warm one. You betcha. Right now, those temperatures in the upper 70s to the low 80s. Pretty much reached and wide already up to 85, though, at Colby in northwest Kansas and 87 in the Atwood area. Today through Wednesday, looking at plenty of sunshine. Ridge of fine pressure pushing east onto the plains. Temperature is slightly warmer than usual in most areas, but the panhandle underneath that dome of fine pressure, expecting those highs to warm up to about 100 so very toasty on those temperatures over the next few days the ridge of fine pressure breaks down by the midweek as low pressure moves in from the northwest some thunderstorms are possible as soon as wednesday night and thursday but beneficial rain and thunderstorms a likelihood for thursday night with the passage of a cold front often on rain chances continue through the weekend as we see additional waves of low pressure track to the southeast right now the weather prediction center with the national weather service indicates a forecast of between 1 to 2 inches of rain between now and next Monday morning for most areas. Lighter amounts expected over far southwest Nebraska in the western half of Kansas. And you can see that rainfall prediction map on our KRVN Facebook page. In the long-term forecast, slightly warmer than normal temperatures are forecast for Nebraska and Kansas. This weekend through August 29th, hopefully those rains do pan out. The current long-term forecast right now indicating near normal to slightly below normal rainfall this weekend through August 29th. So after the rain passes through this late this week, it, uh, it's going to kind of dry up after that. Key weather factors impacting market trade include rainfall from Tropical Storm Fred, the chance for widespread heavy rain in the western Corn Belt, and the continuation of heat and dryness in key areas of southwest Russia. Tropical Storm Fred making landfall later today across the panhandle of Florida. Heavy rains of 4 to 8 inches spreading to the north, resulting in possible flooding as far north as the southern and central Appalachians. And as far north as southern New England, tropical rain will be enhanced by Fred's interaction with the cold front. Mostly dry weather prevailing the next five days across the Midwest. Late in the week, large-scale rainfall may unfold from the Four Corners to the northern Rockies and Plains. That rain may provide drought relief, albeit too late for summer crops across the northern plains. 
in the Midwest. Any rain will be a benefit for the filling corn and soybeans, especially across the drier northwestern areas. Scattered rain fell across Oklahoma and Texas this weekend. Isolated rain across central Kansas and Nebraska. More scattered showers expected across northern areas of the southern plains over the next few get, few days and be good for filling corn and soybeans. The heat continues for the Black Sea region. There was some good rain in far eastern Ukraine and far western Russia this weekend. The rain, though, missed the Volga Valley, which has been hot and dry the last few weeks. Rain in the mid to late part of this week will probably miss, miss most of Russia once again. Western Russian temperatures will continue to be hot through the week as wheat and corn conditions decline. All right, very good. Well, the the crops are surely very thirsty at this point. Yes, uh, especially those dry line crops. Uh, of course, good thing we have lots of pivots around these <laughs> that areas. That is a good point. That is a good point. All right, for a full week forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krbn.com. Thank you, Paul. Public Power District. Cattle producers will see some changes from the Nebraska Brand Committee with the passage of LB 572 in May. For most producers, the law's biggest change is the reduction of the brand inspection fee from a dollar to 85 cents per head. Adam Sawyer, chairman of the Nebraska Brand Committee, explains. And a lot of the senators in the state of Nebraska did that and uh, put that on us for two years in effort to save the producers in the state of Nebraska a little bit of money and also in an effort for the Nebraska Brand Committee to help spend down a a cash balance on our uh, cash equity account that we have. Our cash equity account has been funded through some efficiencies within the agency over the last couple of years. Um, And as many people know, the agency is 100% funded by producer dollars. The Nebraska legislature in past years has looked at the brand committee's excess money to fill in the shortfalls of the state's budget. Introduced by Ag Committee Chairman Steve Holleran of Hastings, LB 572 solution was to reduce the inspection fee. Sawyer says the brand committee does need its cash equity balance. Normally tried to be left at a point of about 40% of our annual budget. And that's to be used for things like uh, in case we were to ever have a disease outbreak of any sort or if, you know, we would have a severe drought in cases where it would require more workload. The inspection fee will include all local countries, sale barn, locker, packer, and registered feedlot inspections. The reduction will go into effect October 1st and end July 31st of 2023. Another important section in LB 572 is a 48-hour notice for country inspections. Sawyer says this was done to gain efficiencies. And it was brought on due to the fact that we're going to start uh, passing along the mileage instead of the surcharge, uh, the $20 surcharge that we have. We're going to start passing along mileage. So our hope is eventually, with 48-hour notice, our brand inspectors could plan out their inspection days a little bit more and be able to divvy up some of the mileage that will be passed along to the producers. Now, the mileage will be will come a little later down the road, but uh, the 48-hour notice we're going to go ahead and get started with. So that way uh, we kind of get everybody used to the system as we go through uh, the big fall runs that we're going to have in the Sandhills and the rest of the state. The 48-hour notice will begin September 1st. The Nebraska legislature did have some senators which wanted to make big changes or do away with the brand committee in 2020. Sawyer says this bill answers some of those issues. Thanks to Senator Holleran, a year ago about this time, he initiated a task force to get together, and we had four meetings that where we got together, and we had a lot of uh, 
industry professionals in the state of Nebraska get together and talk about what things that we could do to make it better for everyone. And so 572 really spoke to what that was and what the results were from that those task force meetings. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, the senators are – a lot more favorable to the direction and of the of the brand committee and uh, the changes that that we've made in the past year or so. Other aspects of the bill include waiverable citations enabling brand investigators to write tickets for violations instead of submitting them to the district attorney. Dairy shipping certificates to allow non-branded calves less than 30 days of age without a physical brand inspection to be shipped. For more information or questions on the changes, contact your local Nebraska brand office or visit www.nbc.nebraska.gov. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Zero one. With a look at sports this Monday afternoon, I'm Tyler Cavalli. Well, the Nebraska football team wrapped up second week of fall camp this past weekend with a scrimmage. And Coach Scott Frost says the team is picking it up, but there's still some drop-off with a second and third stringers. That irritates you as a coach because you want everything to be perfectly clean. That's just kind of the learning process for the young guys. Uh, we had a Big Ten officials out there today and we had too many flags on the ground. That's been a point of emphasis for us all camp. Most of those are with the twos and threes on little things. This team needs to understand that they're good enough to be in every game if we don't do the things to beat ourselves and that's been the thing that we've talked to them about them the most ever since the end of last season. Now, Nebraska football kicks off the season on Saturday, August 28th at Illinois. We will have that contest for you right here on 880-KRVN. Staying with college football, the UNK football team scrimmaged for about two hours this past weekend as they continue to get ready for their upcoming season. Now, while this year's team is loaded with returners, head coach Josh Lins says a few of the newcomers also did some good things. You know, Miko out of Carney High, you know, I thought he ran the ball tough today. There's a we got a slot receiver, AJ McPhee, that did a good job. Up, big, thick slot receiver that uh, you know has great hands and he's you know picking up the offense faster than we than we anticipated, and he's doing a good job defensively. Gosh, Amir Abdullah, Atoa Fox, um, Slager. UNK worked out again earlier this morning in Kearney. The football team is getting set for their season opener September 2nd at home against Missouri Southern. You can catch over a UNK football game over on 93.1 The River. Well, staying in college football, the Atlantic Coast Conference, Big Ten and Pac-12 are exploring ways to counter the Southeastern Conference's growing power in college football. The AP has confirmed talks among the three leagues as of this past weekend. Now, there are at least two areas where the conferences see potential in working together to fortify themselves, football scheduling and the governance of college sports. The urge to do something is now clear that Texas and Oklahoma have decided to leave the Big 12 for the SEC no later than 2025. Well, number one, Alabama, no surprise here, tops the preseason AP Top 25 college football poll announced earlier today for the fourth time in six seasons. Meanwhile, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia round out the top five. And finally, the Hastings Little League baseball team qualified for the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. 
Representing Nebraska, Hastings will open play this Thursday against New Jersey at 4 p.m. Central Time, and you can catch all of the action on ESPN. That is the latest look at your sports. For more, visit our website at krvn.com. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is in. And uh, Dave, we've been following a story that's been happening this morning in Buffalo County where there were uh, two women that were shot, and the suspect, uh, from what we understand, is still on the loose? He is, but uh, they may have him isolated. We're not quite mm. sure of uh, all the details, but the Kearney Police Department is advising that a several-block area of Kearney is uh, cordoned off by uh, law enforcement for some activity in connection with the uh, shooting suspect, who's being sought in connection with this morning's double shooting near Elm Creek that injured a mother and daughter. Kearney Police, Buffalo County Sheriff's Office, and Nebraska State Patrol are at the scene located southeast of the 2nd Street overpass. They're asking that people avoid the area. No word on whether the suspect is isolated in that area or still at large, but they have some reason to believe he has been in that area this morning, right now, actually. Right, and this happened about what? It was early, early this morning the shooting happened, Yes, around 2.40 this morning that uh, the uh, law enforcement were called to a rural Elm Creek home uh, for a shooting of the suspect's ex-girlfriend mm. and her mother in the presence of several mm. children. Mm. And deputies and paramedics came there and uh, first responders found a 35-year-old woman and her 63-year-old mother with gunshot wounds. The women were rushed to a Kearney Hospital in critical condition. None of the children were hurt and so they're searching for 33-year-old Jeffrey D. Smith of Kearney who is considered armed and dangerous and uh, checking some records uh, mr smith was just released from prison just a couple of months ago actually oh, wow wow so all right so he got himself into this situation and again they think that they have him located in a corny area they have some reason to believe he's in that area yes all very right. good very good thank you in other news, the University of Nebraska Board of Regents to, on Friday voted overwhelmingly to reject a resolution brought by Regent and Republican gubernatorial candidate Jim Pillen opposing the imposition of critical race theory in curriculum, training, and programming at NU campuses. Following an extended comment period of several hours in which the public testified both for and against the resolution, the board voted 9-3, to three, that's 9-3, to three, against approval of the document. In comments before the vote, Pillen said the plain language of the resolution was intended for the board to affirm their commitment to opposing discrimination and supporting academic freedom and free speech. Academic freedom applies on both sides of the desk. It's not one-sided. It demands a free, fair exchange of ideas between instructors and students, and there should be no fear of consequences for voicing a different opinion. In a statement after the vote, Governor Pete Ricketts said it was an important step in the journey towards ensuring taxpayer dollars aren't fun funding ideologies that divide people along racial lines and silence people's voices. And that's an update of the news. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network.
We are reporting today from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association trade show and cattle industry convention here in Nashville, Tennessee. Joined today by Dustin A. Heron. He's the vice president in the Department of Animal Protein with Rabo Research. Dustin, a lot of things to talk about today. First of all, let's start about kind of this price forecast that you guys have come up with for the next, call it six months or so. Tell me more about that. Certainly. So I think, first of all, it helps to take a step back and look at where we're at and where we've been. Cattle numbers peaked in 2019, but because of, of COVID, because of the plant fire the last couple of years, we really haven't been able to realize the price appreciation that we would expect with, with declining numbers. And you know, we can get into that. That's a, another conversation in itself. But recent cattle on feed reports, recent cattle inventory reports, it really seems that we've turned the corner on these fed cattle supplies and we're really expecting stronger prices from here going forward. By the year end, we think fed cattle prices could be in that 130 range. And, and in fact, for 2022, we have a, an average price forecast of $1.40 for fed cattle. In this world of economics, we can also talk about sustainability. I think it's hard to avoid a conversation without that word. Uh, you guys have done a lot of research on this and are developing some price models and things of that nature. Tell me about the economic side of the sustainability conversation. So I think a lot of people can agree that one of the best ways to drive action is through economic incentive. And I really think we're at a point in the sustainability conversation where we need to start thinking about how do we drive, how do we motivate some of these actions on the sustainability front. And it, that doesn't necessarily mean that producers have to, to change everything that they're doing. I think a lot of producers are, are doing great things even today. But how do we document that? How do we communicate that? And how do we trace that all the way through the supply chain, ultimately to the consumer and to investors who are, are de really demanding action on some of these fronts? And so I think there's a few areas that immediately come to mind as to how we can incentivize this. One potentially is building brands and building premiums around sustainability metrics and potentially even setting up pricing grids, premiums and discounts similar to what we do with beef quality. And I think that serves as a great example over the last 15 to 20 years. We've seen that as we implement this grid and pricing and really try to incentivize certain cattle quality, we've seen exponential improvement. So I think there's opportunity to apply that in the sustainability sector. On another front, cost efficiencies. You know, as we collect more data and information and work to analyze that data, hopefully it allows us to make more informed, better business, business decisions. And that doesn't even touch on uh, some of the technologies that we could implement so to make us more efficient or even just identifying more feed efficient genetics. If we can reduce our resource and input costs, that's a big part of the sustainability story. I want to dive into this a little bit more because we were talking before we got recording that this processing capacity issue plays into sustainability and the economics behind it. Tell me more about that dynamic. So on the processing capacity front, obviously that's been a, a big topic over the last couple of years. And we have seen new plans for whether that new construction from, from new independent operations or even expansions uh, of existing incumbents and their facilities 
for these new entrants, if they're going to really compete against the economy of scale of the existing major players, they're going to have to differentiate their product and really try to develop business models that can separate them from the pack. So not only how can I sell this beef at a, at a premium and not just the high value products, but every pound, and then how can I develop a, a supply source of cattle to guarantee that I have the supply of differentiated program cattle to meet that brand or meet that demand. So I really think, you know, there's opportunity to develop a business model around how the product was raised, where it came from, some of those traceability and and, and the production practices behind it. Absolutely. So with all of this that you're talking about, the economics and sustainability, kind of the, the one in the same conversation that you're having, you also mentioned that you testified in Washington, D.C., kind of advocating for the beef industry. Tell me a little bit about what you were having these conversations about and, and how that went. So really the, you know, the topic of, of conversation is trying to, to understand why we've seen the price spread between wholesale cutout prices and cattle prices over the last couple of years. And at the end of the day, it boils down to the relative balance of market-ready fed cattle supplies and operational packing capacity. So not just physical pack capacity, but the ability to get product through the facilities, whether that's labor, technology. And because of the backlogs that were created, we had a huge, huge supply of cattle ready to be harvested. And because of the labor challenges and just a reduced packing capacity over the last 15 to 20 years in general, that really got out of balance. And it takes time to bring that back into balance. And based on the, the relative imbalance that we've seen over the last couple of years, as frustrating as it has been, that spread really falls into the into line of expectation. But moving forward with declining cattle numbers, with some plans for expansion, we're going to see this balance come back. And, and really, I think from a price perspective for producers, it's a positive outlook moving forward. I was just going to say, I think that's what producers are, are wanting to hear. Perfect. Is there anything we missed that's important to mention? I think just in general, demand for beef is incredibly strong, both from export markets and, and here domestically. So I think there's real, real opportunity moving ahead for the industry if we can maintain and capitalize on this momentum. Okay, all good things to think about. Thanks so much, Dustin. That again, Dustin Aheron joining us with Rabo Agrofinance. I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting from Nashville, Tennessee on the Rural Radio Network. Think people grow. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Stocks fell in morning trading amid rising coronavirus infections in the U.S. and around the globe as well as geopolitical concerns in Asia. The S&P 500 index fell five-tenths of a percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost three-tenths of a percent. And the NASDAQ Composite fell 1.1%. Shares of Tesla fell 5% after the U.S. government began investigating the company's automated driving feature following a series of collisions with parked vehicles. Oil prices fell and weighed down energy companies. The U.S. government has opened a formal investigation into Tesla's autopilot partially automated driving system, saying it has trouble spotting parked emergency vehicles. 
The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it has identified 11 crashes since 2018 in which Teslas on autopilot or traffic-aware cruise control have hit vehicles with flashing lights, flares, and illuminated aeroboard or cones warning of hazards. The former head of the Food and Drug Administration says there is a strong case for restructuring the agency to shield it from outside pressure. Dr. Stephen Hahn took over as FDA commissioner just as COVID-19 plunged the agency into a period of political tumult. His boss, President Donald Trump, repeatedly pressured the FDA to speed up its reviews of experimental drugs and vaccines, and Hahn was critical for not pushing back harder against many of President Trump's bogus claims, but eventually Hahn defied the White House by refusing to cut corners in FDA's review of COVID-19 vaccines. People in England who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19 or are under 18 years old will no longer have to self-isolate if they come into contact with someone who has tested positive for the coronavirus. Today's change is being welcomed by businesses, many of which have suffered staff shortages as a result of the requirement for people to spend 10 days in quarantine if they have been in contact with a positive case. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. KRVN. The FNBO's Fridays in the Field is underway. Be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of Nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop. Hey, it's Clay Patton, and this year for Fridays in the Field, we take a detour from row crops to talk with Max Creek Winery and Brewery about the grape and hops crop. Be glad to have you tag along for this year's Fridays in the Field. Join me this growing season in east-central Nebraska as I'll be following Ryan and Katie Pekarik of rural Butler County. Ryan and Katie, along with their five children, are busy all year round growing over 30 fruits and vegetables as part of their business, Pekarik's Produce. In the Panhandle, we'll be visiting with Jason Harriman of Scott's Bluff. He'll fill us in on his family's operation with corn and soybeans. And we'll find time to talk about the forages they raise for their cow-calf pears in western Nebraska. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays. Play Patton on the World Radio Network talking with the Nebraska cattlemen as it is almost state fair time and state fair and beef pit are synonymous words with one another in Nebraska. Have the opportunity now to talk with Vice Chairman of the Beef Pit for the Nebraska cattlemen, that is John Lange of Bruning. And John, we appreciate being able to talk to us here today. Kind of give us an overview. What is the beef pit going to look like this year? Well, hopefully this year we'll be back to our normal look. We'll have people eating inside in chair on chairs and tables, and and uh, hopefully we'll have a big crowd and everybody will enjoy the good beef that they're going to be served. Can you give us a little background? How long has the Nebraska Cattlemen's Beef Pit been going on in conjunction with the Nebraska State Fair? Well, it all started with a uh, individual from down by Belvedere, Nebraska. Uh, Mr. Yoakum thought that there should be some way to promote beef, and so they started with a uh, serving beef at the state fair, and then they worked up to, they had a building out at Lincoln, and now we rent the building in Grand Island, and it's been a hit ever since they started. 
The exciting thing about the beef pit, John, is the fact that this is manned by cattlemen associations at the county level really across the entire state. So how many uh, associations usually come in and help to run the beef pit throughout State Fair? Well, there's quite a few associations, uh, affiliates from the Nebraska cattlemen. There's also groups like uh, college groups that come in and work and also some of the allied industry people come in and work and it's all volunteer labor there is nobody that is a uh, paid person and that's how we can uh, get our product out there for everybody to eat and aside from getting great nebraska beef out to consumers as they come through the nebraska state fair and doing it in a very fun manner what else the the profits and the proceeds from the nebraska beef pit what does that help to generate for nebraska cattlemen well when we do have a profit we uh put our money towards scholarships with the nebraska cattlemen uh we've funded several of them that uh, go to nebraska cattlemen members children and anybody that is going into the beef industry or uh, like science so there's definitely some benefits not only from serving great beef but as well giving back to those that are coming up in the industry again we're talking with vice chairman of the nebraska beef pit that is john langs and john as always we appreciate the time giving us the rundown for folks that want to volunteer and help out with the beef pit what is the best way to go about that uh if you want to get in contact with the nebraska cattlemen at the lincoln office talk with lee whitey he is the person in charge and if you want to help out in any way you can get a hold of them and they will let you know and give us a a brief overview what are we going to see on the menu this year for nebraska beef it's going to be back to our regular menu we're going to have the roast beef the barbecued beef the hot dogs and of course the all popular prime rib sandwich Again, we're talking with John Lang. He is vice chairman of the Nebraska Cattlemen's Beef Pit Committee, and that will be kicking off here very soon at the Nebraska State Fair. So go enjoy some great Nebraska beef at the Nebraska Cattlemen's Beef Pit. For more information on this and other topics within the Nebraska Cattlemen's Association, you can always contact their Lincoln office. That's where if you want to volunteer for the Beef Pit, you can also reach out. That Lincoln office number, 402-475-2323. You can also always visit NebraskaCattlemen.org. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network. These guys care. Clay Pan on the Rural Radio Network as we check in with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst for Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago for a check of the closing grain trade. And John seeing some mixed trade as the settlements roll in, but soybeans go ahead and close higher. Despite the fact we had 155 million bushel crush coming out from NOPA here today, do you think we can actually get up closer to that number to reach USDA's goal through August? It's an interesting thing. You think that, okay, lower, lower crush demand maybe means less demand. I don't know, it could be an indication that the supply just isn't there eat as well. You know, it's easy to ration demand when, when you've got some excess supply coming here shortly as well. Um, but I don't make make too much of it. I think the Chinese numbers have gotten the overnight, and we're, we're poor, and, uh, you know, China, and then soybeans performed today. So that's a good sign. Uh, if we can get any help, for the, as far as speaking from the Bulls' perspective, uh, you know, from, from the USDA report tonight, kind of talking about Iowa and talking down a little bit. Producers that way are walking the crowd back quite a bit. And, um, you know, they haven't gotten any rain over the weekend. Not a whole lot in the near-term forecast. So that could be a kind of a stimulus story here to get prices moving. I still think September sees that kind of previous high there, 590. Um, you know, 
before then, I just, I just think the base is too strong in the near term, and uh, I, I just feel like there's some upside in that market if, um, if if you get the weather behind it. Any concern from today's poor Chinese economic data coming out that we could once again see some issues in the supply chain of them having port issues, actually physically shipping grain to China? Well, the numbers we got were backward-looking, so they confirmed kind of what we thought, what was happening this whole this whole early part of August and later July was, was you know, COVID hitting China and, and them adjusting to it. Uh, they didn't slow down uh, much. They didn't shut down, you know, services like they did before, and their demand seemed to be pretty stout throughout. So I think all in all, that's kind of a good first test case here. I think there was a real worry mid-early last week that they were going to take the tack they took back in January 2020 when essentially they just closed business. And if that's not the case, then that's good for the markets, at least in the in the interim time period, uh, you know, but you're not going to see full 100% capacity demand as we saw in the numbers that got from China this week. And I suspect we'll see the same, you know, from the U.S. side when our numbers start to come out in the, the end of August, early September. We're just not running on on uh, on all fumes here, or I'm sorry, running on all cylinders when, when you have certain states kind of, I don't want to say, shunning a reopen to a certain degree. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing, Chicago Publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in Grain. If you'd like to check out more on the newsletter or how to reach out to John, visit DanielZagMarketing.com. Again, their website, DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, though, trade futures options of all risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Catch John again as a podcast, RuralRadioNetwork.com. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Deveni Motors. Wherever podcasts are available or KRVN.